Over the past few weeks, our lives have quickly changed in profound ways. We continue to be committed to care for our patients, provide education for our trainees, and support our family and friends. This special podcast series during the COVID-19 pandemic will bring you perspectives from our otolaryngology community on what is going on in real time. I'm your host, Christina Cabrera-Muffley. All opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my own or my guests and do not express the views or opinions of my employer. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate it and leave a review. This is episode three in the OtoMentor pandemic special series. This was recorded on April 6, 2020 with Connor Massey, a resident at the University of Colorado. Thanks for being on the show, Connor. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Yeah. So you are a resident here at the University of Colorado. How is the COVID pandemic affecting you on a day-to-day basis? I am one of the T32 research residents. So I don't go into lab anymore. The lab is essentially closed except for, you know, mission critical staff and stuff like that. And while my work, I feel like it's important. It's not critically important, I guess, to that degree. I feel like I'm pretty lucky in a lot of respects in that some of what I have to do isn't bench research, but, you know, a lot of it is. So, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm staying busy with either writing or stuff that I can do remotely or some other type of learning that I can do. Because you've been in the lab. This is your second year of the two. Correct. You've been yeah. in the lab. So do you have enough data that you're able to write up some yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm lucky in that at least my, you know, research that I have with my grant, a lot of that has already been collected. And I think I'm just kind of in the final stages of analyzing it and putting it together for publication and stuff like that. And some of that other stuff, I feel like I'm lucky that a lot of it is data analysis or working with a data set or something. So, yeah. Are there still people taking care of the animals? How is that working? I think so, yeah. I mean, I know in Dr. Ramakrishnan's lab, we definitely work with mice and stuff like that. So I think at least there's one or two members that have been going in to make sure that all of the colonies are still good. And I think all of the, the animal facilities are obviously still operating and stuff like that. So that hasn't really changed. So since you weren't doing clinical, for the most part, you do take call. Mm-hmm. a few times a month. So you're not seeing, you're not doing any surgeries. You're not seeing patients in clinic. What is it like on call right now? Has it been very busy or has it not been busy at all? So the couple of times that I've been on call, like which the last was a couple of weeks ago, it seems like overall it's been less busy. We were deferring a number of consults that we would normally be seeing just because they're riskier or we're trying to limit the number of people that are actually interacting with patients at this time. Um, and I think a lot of services have been good about, you know, only calling us, I think, if they really, really need us. But I think the consults that we do see, it takes longer to see them because there's so much more, you know, PPE hurdles and there's a lot more, I guess, processes and hoops that you have to jump through in order to kind of make sure that this is like an appropriate consult to see and stuff like that. So. Yeah. What about specifically scoping people uh, performing laryngoscopies or Mm -hmm. tracheostomy procedures? Have you seen any of that going on? I know about like obviously our new protocols for assessing and triaging these patients that may need a scope consult. I feel like I haven't seen any, I haven't had to do any scope consults on call yet. So I think that speaks to something I feel like word has spread that we're not maybe doing as many as we were before. So, yeah, because most of you guys would scope someone at least 
few times a night before. I think so. Yeah. And the last two nights that I've been on call after, you know, COVID has really arrived in Colorado, I haven't had to scope anybody. I think it's just luck of the draw. I'm sure there's been plenty of airways and other critical scopes that people have had to do. So I have not been fortunate enough to have to do them yet. What worries you most about this pandemic? I think the thing that's scariest for probably anyone is just the unpredictability of it. You don't know whether you're going to get it just walking down the street, whether, and if you do get it, whether you're asymptomatic or have smell loss or are intubated on a ventilator or even worse. And I think that's really scary. And I think moving forward is also scary. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know how it's going to affect us from a health standpoint, but also economically, I think it's very scary. And then, you know, I just think the interruption to our routine and, you know, our daily lives has been just, I think, a huge stressor emotionally and otherwise, I think, on ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And we've been talking about the last few days, as we are planning for our surge, we expect that some residents may be reassigned to other areas. Right. What are your thoughts on that? It's definitely worrisome, mainly just because it's like, well, I haven't done anything non-ENT related in over four years. So that's definitely concerning. It's like, what can I contribute? Sure, I can probably do a pretty good nasopharyngeal swab. But you know, um, other than that, it's just like, uh, I feel like I just haven't thought about, you know, a cardiac or a pulmonary exam or something like that in such a long time. A lot of that I think is kind of stressful, but at the same time, it's like, well, I do have these, some of these skills somewhere. So it, it would be good to, you know, try to use them if they could be of use to somebody. I don't know. I think the desire to help is definitely there. It's just like, where are my services best utilized? Right. And that's been a hard thing for me to also conceptualize when deciding whether you and other residents should be reassigned is what would you be good at? And also, are you appropriately supervised in those situations? And right. I don't, I don't want to put you in a situation that makes you uncomfortable. So that's tricky. You know, it's interesting because like everyone makes these not jokes, but they're like, Oh, well, you know, you don't want like the dermatology resident taking care of, blah, blah, blah. But actually, the dermatology resident probably has way more medicine training than we get, you know, they do a whole year of general medicine as an intern. And especially since things shifted away from doing just three months of ENT, you know, we get hardly any internal medicine or general medicine training, probably less than most other specialties do at this point. So and that's something I've really been thinking about these past few weeks, it's just like, wow, we have like no, almost no general medicine training. We're so specialized now. Right. Although I think you have a lot more surgical procedural training than many other residents. So, I mean, putting in lines and intubating and those kinds of things, I think you would be a lot better at that than a dermatology resident to use your example. So, yeah. You're going to transition back into clinical medicine full-time here in July. So what concerns do you have about the effect of this pandemic on your education, either now as you finish your research time or as you go back into the clinical time? So right now, 
it's, will I be able to finish some of these projects that I've started that I'm not able to do because I can't go into lab? That's one of them. I definitely think I have enough research where I can kind of wrap things up to a certain degree, but some things, you know, may not be fully finished by the time that I go back. And then I guess it's just, it's so hard to predict what the clinical setting will look like when I go back in July. I can't imagine that it's going to be totally back to normal. Right. It's only a few months away now, and we supposedly haven't even hit our peak of what, you know, number of cases we will do. And sure, things I'm sure will quiet down after that, but will they go back to normal? You know, especially considering that we are at such high risk for transmission and stuff as providers, how quickly will things ramp up? Or the other thing that I kind of wonder about is when things do finally get back to normal, will clinical activity be so insane that will it be? You know, there's going to be this huge backlog of people who want procedures, want to be seen in clinic. And that's something else that I kind of think of. It's like what's happening to all these patients that were delaying or deferring their care until later. Right. And is the pressure of that to achieve the volumes that need to be taken care of going to affect residents' ability to help with those cases, right? Because we're all telling ourselves, oh yeah, once we get back to normal, we're going to have so many cases to do that the residents will get their key numbers. But what if you have so many cases to do that, you know, teaching a resident how to do the case isn't your top priority even then? Yeah, exactly. It's like my biggest priority is getting through these cases and I don't have time to teach this and stuff like that, I think are definitely concerns. I have, but I don't, you know, I don't know when exactly that will happen. So I think it's, it's just, again, it's that unpredictability that it makes it hard and stressful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So any positive developments as far as in the last couple of weeks, since you've been at home, have you been doing anything, you know, that you didn't expect to be doing at this point? I've definitely taken on some reading projects that have been sitting on my shelf for years that I've never (laughs) really had any time to tackle. Definitely doing a lot of cooking and baking. And I feel super fortunate to have a very supportive partner who also likes to do those things. And I think we're doing a good job of keeping each other sane. Yeah. I mean, in some respects, things haven't changed that much, but in some ways, you take a lot of solace in those activities. So, yeah. Have you been able to participate in any of the resident education consortiums that have popped up because of Yeah, that? I've been doing the, yeah, the, like kind of the West Coast, California-based one, mm-hmm. just because that's the one that came out first and I feel like I've been reasonable time frame for me. But so far, those lectures have been fantastic. I don't know if you've heard any of them, but, you know, I've watched most of them at this point and they've been really, really nice. And I think it's also nice. I mean, sure, they record them, you can watch them later. But it's nice to have a little bit of when you're mostly sitting at home, and like you have your own schedule, it's nice to have a little bit of routines, like from five to seven, I will be at this lecture listening to these. And that is my time for some very structured learning. So I think they've been really, really good so far. So yeah, I've actually I haven't watched any in real time, Mm -hmm. except for the beginning one talking about different institutions telling about their experiences with the pandemic, but the other ones I've, I've downloaded have been really excellent. I totally agree with yeah, you. Yeah, no, so. I've been like, I mean, cause it's always dependent on the lecturer, but it seems yeah. like they've done like the people who are doing it are taking it really seriously and putting a ton of effort into giving a really high quality lecture. That's also interactive and um, it's cool to 
sort of get to know these other faculty that you've only heard about in passing, but they're a national authority on this subject and it's cool to be able to hear different perspectives from different institutions. Yeah, agree. Anything else you want to add about your perspective as a resident during this time? I don't think so. I mean, it's it's hard because I'm not clinically active all the time and I'm more in kind of in this research mode. But, you know, I think as like if I was uh, just a clinical PGY4 resident, I think it would be I would have a lot of stress and anxiety about not getting the clinical training that I would be expecting to have right now. And I know talking with my co-residents, that's a huge concern because they're not operating, they're not doing cases. And yeah, um, you know, I think that's a huge concern. Are they going to be able to graduate with the requisite, you know, minimum number of cases and all of that stuff? And I think that would be super stressful. So yeah, absolutely. I think I'm the most worried about <laughs> the effects on the fourth years. Not right. you know, because the fifth years really they're already done with their key index cases. They right. you know, they are strong enough to graduate, all, all three of them. So I had I don't have worries about that. But depending on how long this goes, I think it's gonna affect the fourth years more. Yeah. Than anyone else. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, agree. So, well, thank you so much for being on the show, Connor. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate your perspectives. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right, take care of yourself. Okay, will do. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy.